from my early teen years, I started writing just, I don't know if you'd call them poems or songs or just my thoughts into a notebook. Sure. And then as I came along with with my earlier bands and stuff like that, my my bandmates and my friends weren't writing any songs. And it was one of the and they also weren't singing. So having a band without a singer is rough. So I just went, well, I'll I'll give it a shot and we'll go with that. And that's how it all started. Was that a necessity and, and need? And my friends were way better musicians than I was. So I just went, I'll play rhythm guitar and I'll sing and I'll write the songs. And that's what I started to do. And I had a knack for it. So uh, yeah, here I am today. <laughs> I guess yeah. still doing it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. We are getting off the Bruce train, though I'm sure he will come up. We're going to talk a little bit of Canadian country music, and we're going to talk a little Bob Seger. Yeah, joining me from the north we just talked about a, just a little bit outside of Toronto, I guess a little bit, not quite a little bit, but in the Toronto area is Ty Wilson. Ty, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Jesse. I'm happy to be here. All right. So I got to start out with how does a good country boy from Ty, from Canada learn to love country music? I have a, a bit of an interesting backstory. I grew up in a family that was very musical on my mother's side. And so my grandmother was actually a Canadian country singer. She had her own TV show in the late 50s, early 60s. And she opened for Johnny Cash and some names like Charlie Pride. A few people like that when they came up and toured Canada. That's pretty pretty good name dropping. Yeah. What was her name? Jacqueline Keating at the time. Okay. Yeah, you won't find much online. I've tried my damnedest late 50s, early 60s mm-hmm. was what it was. But she was called the Canadian Patsy Klein. Is what, her voice was very similar to Patsy's. And so that was my earliest, earliest memories growing up. Uh, she had a karaoke machine in the basement, like a, a big one with big speakers and that stuff. And from my earliest memories, she had me and my cousins down there singing songs and, and really instilling a love of music into us. And so that was where the countryside of my leanings came from musically. My mother was a, a big country fan or is a big country fan as well. And then on the other side of that, there was my father who was all rock and roll. And so because there was such a strong musical influence on my mother's side, he would hide me away and make me mixtapes of, of Boston and Sticks and Bob Seger, Bruce Springsteen, ACDC. You name it. And that's what he was doing. So I really got both sides and and learned to love all genres, but especially those ones. Thank you for that. I I love that answer. Because I always say, let's start at the beginning. And you did that perfectly. I am, you're probably too young to remember, but I, I am older than dirt. And back when 
Donnie and Marie Osmond had a, a <laughs> variety show. They would do I'm a little bit country, I'm a little yeah, bit rock, little and, rock roll. and roll. Yeah. yeah, so I'm like, that's your family, right? <laughs> Basically, that, that, yeah. that, that was it. That was it. Yeah. And I was trained in all those classic uh, classic music as well. My dad used to have me name songs on the radio, the local rock station, basically. And then he would tell me like, okay, so who sang this? What's it called? What year would the album come out? And so he was quizzing me on stuff like that at a very young age, trying to make sure I liked rock music uh, as well. I I love that. I find that a lot of my guests in general terms fall into two categories. The people that love their parents' music the type of music their parents listened to. And as they became a teenager, just widened their enjoyment, right? They didn't really turn away. And then the others are, they totally turned away from their parents' music till they're about 30 and then realize, hey, this Johnny Cash guy might have a little something. (laughs) So it sounds like you're one of the first. You just expanded. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm both because in my teen years, I was in some heavy metal and screamo bands and stuff like that okay. and uh, yelling my face off and being a part of the counterculture <laughs> of the time in the mid 2000s but I never stopped liking the other type yeah. of music and so once I hit university kind of 18 19 years old I started picking up my acoustic guitar more and and writing songs from my point of view and not so much with a band and yelling into a microphone. It, it was a, a brief stint in my life that I was a little angrier or angstier, but that all was, I moved right back into that acoustic singer songwriter and kind of country and soft rock feel mm-hmm. in my early twenties. Did your, were your parents supportive of your rebel phase were they Extremely. just like happy? Good. He's making music. We don't care. <laughs> yeah, I know my, my mother or my grandmother never went to those shows. But my dad, up until I had my driver's license, was driving the van with a trailer <laughs> to yeah. to Toronto and, and out of town, bringing us to, to gigs and that stuff. So he might not have understood the music, but he was always very supportive of, of me playing it. So I'm thankful for that. So one of my favorite stories is that my brother-in-law, who's about 10 years older than I am, was went to high school in the 60s. And it was the stereotypical get a garage, make bands, play Rolling Stone covers, and just whatever was the hot British bands and American rock. And so they would, in fact, I had him on the podcast a couple of months ago, and it was a lot of fun because he said there was there was the Catholic Youth Organization, the like the Legion Hall. There was these set of clubs all around Southwest Louisiana that you mm-hmm. just did a round on. And the story I love is my father-in-law, who is now passed, but at the time made Ralph claim his money he made on taxes he'd make 25 bucks for a gig and ray was like okay you gotta claim that and ralph's like i'm the only 16 year old kid that's having to file a tax because of what i'm making playing rock and roll oh man 
did your dad say, hey, you got to give the crown a little bit of a taste? No, I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for this, but yeah. I get it. Yeah, no. No. <laughs> I'm sure no. the limitations are gone. Yeah, That's funny. Yeah. 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 Now I'm paying my taxes. Exactly. <laughs> that's, very much. That's so. for sure. But, yeah. uh, but at that time, and honestly, we weren't making a whole lot of money. It was, it, we were playing for the love of playing and, and just trying to get our name out there. And and when you're a kid, you don't really, that, that doesn't even cross your mind. You're playing music and doing what you love. And it's, I don't care if we get paid. I live at home and I'm not paying for groceries and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not paying for anything else. <laughs> I got a job at a grocery store to pay my gas money. Yeah. yeah. Why would I ask money for playing music? One of my favorite stories is when they were going to film the first Star Trek film way back in 1980, the Star Trek, the motion picture, they decided that they wanted to have fans in a scene. And it's a scene where Kirk is talking to the whole crew. And so they needed a lot of extras. So they reached out to fandom and said, we want people to do this. And it would be $200. Do you guys think that would be okay? And the fandoms, that's a little high, but yes, we will pay that much money <laughs> to be in the film. And no, we can We're only pay, pay you. you $200. And they're like, yes, so right. I mean, it's, wait a minute. I don't have to give you a $20. Yeah. I think you want to pay. I'm good. That's funny. When. So have it's obviously sounds like you've always been musical. Was there an instrument that spoke to you at first or did you try to learn piano, guitar, a little bit, everything? So I started out actually. So my grandmother bought me a, um, a bass guitar first when I was about 10 years old because I had it in my mind. My cousin was a very good singer and she was learning the guitar. She was a, a year older than me. I was like, okay, I'm going to play bass and back her up. And that's going to be that we're going to make a family band. And so I, I got through about six months of bass lessons and went, damn bored of this. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, I, I want to be the cool guy with the guitar and, and try and get girls and stuff like that. So I switched over to the acoustic guitar and then onto the, the electric, but I kept up playing bass. So I still pick up the bass every now and then, but, but yeah, the guitar was what really spoke to me at that point. You, you hear a lot of stories that the person that drew the short straw ends up playing bass, right? You hear these stories, a lot of bands, like no one else he owned a bass, so therefore you're in the band. So yeah. your instincts weren't too bad, right? You're you're no. ready, right? Exactly. I was ready for it. Yeah. And the thing is that, and you realize this later and later as a musician, that the bass is such a key instrument. And if you have a bad bass player, that's going to throw that that'll ruin a whole live show. A bass guitarist and a drummer being in sync is the glue that holds a band together and as long as that's that's good and the singer's good everything else can be you know on par or, or okay and it's going to sound good but those yeah. are the kind of three most important things over the years i've been able to have a couple of bassists on the podcast and they talk about that a lot of known bass players and they said, let's, we'll stick with Bruce as Gary, right? Gary mm-hmm. Talent. He said, he's just not showy, but he's just there. 
It yeah. just it's only takes another base player to understand how good he is in that consistent keeping that rhythm and keeping that along mm-hmm. with Max, right? Yeah, and that's the key. You don't really want to notice the base player. The odd time they'll do a little run or something like that. Yeah. You go, oh, okay, yeah. But yeah. for the most part, you just want them to be on the beat, in sync, in the pocket, and way you go. Yeah. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner. And Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Did you always know you wanted to write songs? Now, it sounds like you've always had a musical bent, but did you also have that creative spark in you that you wanted to make your own music? Yeah. Yes. As as far as I remember, kind of from my early teen years, I started writing just, I don't know if you'd call them poems or songs or just my thoughts into a notebook. Sure. And then as I came along with with my earlier bands and stuff like that my my bandmates and my friends weren't writing any songs and it was one of the and they also weren't singing so having a band without a singer is rough so i just went oh i'll i'll give it a shot and we'll go with that and that's how it all started was it a necessity and, and need and my friends were way better musicians than i was so i just went, i'll play rhythm guitar and i'll sing and i'll write the songs and that's what i started to do and i had a knack for it so I, yeah, here I am today. <laughs> I guess yeah. still doing it. Do you, can you think of uh, some early songs that you went, "Wow, I, I'm I'm really proud of that one." Yeah, there was a song that I wrote, or a couple songs that I wrote with my old band in my teen years. That when we went to record them, was actually how I ended up getting my first record deal at sixteen. The producer said you guys are very rough, obviously your kids, but you have something like how to write melody and and hook and you can learn from there. And basically that's when he sat me down and started teaching me how to like, how to write songs structurally. 
and what to look for and how important the hook was in the song and the storytelling and stuff like that. And that's how it progressed and how I had the courage or the confidence to to keep writing and, and knew that I could I could actually write and it was something that I was good at. So you talked about that you were uh, working in a grocery store to make your gas money in high school and you went to university. What'd you study? I studied history. Okay. <laughs> history with a minor in theater, actually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because that sounded fun or did you have a plan? I was going to be a rock star. That okay. was my plan. And okay. so my, I was the only person in my family that ever went to post-secondary at that point and, and had the grades for it. So I was basically put on the track that you're going to university. And, and so I, I did, and I got my piece of paper <laughs> and all the while I was writing and playing music and, and really not spending a whole lot of time at the university. I was downtown and in the clubs there. And I went to a place called the University of Guelph, which is in Guelph, Ontario. And I really cut my teeth playing music in the local scene there. So I was jumping up for open mics. Basically, any time I could get myself in front of a crowd playing playing my guitar, that was that was my goal for my for my time at university. So I went from just playing those open mics to hosting the open mics to to playing in in bands and and moving kind of further from there. On your musical journey, have you done solo and band work? And yeah. what do you have a preference or it just depends on the the music you're trying to create? Uh, I think a lot of it depends on the music, but solo is great because it's something I've been doing since I was 18, 15 years in, and I'm still playing and writing the songs I want to write and hiring musicians to, to come out on the road with me and play music. Band-wise, I haven't, I guess I shouldn't say that, I'm in a great band at the moment, but before that, my last two bands broke up as they are want to do and it gets frustrating trying to keep a group together that way especially moving into adulthood and people are getting married and, and having children and, and all that kind of stuff we're moving away and so I feel most comfortable with my own music and my own career uh, because I can dictate what happens with that but I definitely do miss the band atmosphere from a creative standpoint now, Against the Wind is this amazing entity that I'm so glad to be a part of that we get to go and I get to play Rockstar and, and play Bob Seger in front of theaters full of people quite talk- often. So it's yeah, great. I want to talk about that in a minute, but I had I have a friend named Sarah Hickman who is a singer-songwriter and she's she currently lives in Austin, has had a um, she would say a good career. She never was a household name, but she was able to support her family making music and performing. And she and I'll talk about it that a solo gig is so much easier. She didn't have to worry about anyone else. She didn't have to worry about splitting the gate. She just gets there. She sings. And afterwards she goes, but there are times when you want a band, you want that band experience. You want that where you're whether you're rocking or whether it's even a slower song where you have that full band experience than just sitting there on the stool or in the solo yeah. mic with your acoustic guitar having fun. 
Yeah, 100%. And that's something I, I play a ton of just acoustic gigs. And that was really before I even started creating music. Again, a couple of years ago, I was doing the, the bar gig thing, doing two and three hour, four hour sets for money in pubs and bars and stuff like that. And those are awesome because yes, you don't have to worry about anybody else, but they also can get lonely <laughs> because you're... Yes. You're there and you're, I like to call myself singing wallpaper for those gigs because yes. you're just in the background and facilitating an evening for, for all the patrons or whoever's coming in. Whereas even if you just add one person into that mix, you have someone to play off of and you can do a lot more fun things yeah. that way. And but at least one other person is listening, right? Like yes. When you're the yes, exactly. Any, I'll tell you one of Sarah's experiences early she was playing at a pizza joint and a bunch of frat boys got in there and had a little too much drink and uh, play Louie, which, except they didn't say which. Yeah, yeah. And she shook the guitar, put it in the case, went to the guy owning, said, you're not paying me enough to put up with this. So <laughs> any nightmare stories of that when you're being wallpaper? And by the way, I've never heard that phrase before and I just adore it. Oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's, I don't know if I coined it, but I definitely use it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's But singing wallpaper is a good one. I guess I, I've had those gigs where you're sitting there and right now I'm sober. And in 2021, I did a year sobriety. And, and at those points, if you're playing those late night gigs at one, two o'clock in the morning, you're getting just people more and more belligerent trying to yell at you, trying to get you to take shots and all those kind of things. But I would say probably the worst one was a pub gig I was doing. And and I had, I was set up in this little kind of corner booth area. And I had my, so my little like half stack or mini stack PA yeah. system and guitar amp and microphone and all the little stand for my book and all that kind of stuff there in front of me. And I could see it was packed. So it was a lot of fun, but I could see getting to, it was one o'clock, one, one thirty. people were starting to stumble and that stuff everywhere. And it was a very small space or walkway that was right in front of me that went to either side of the bar. And a girl was up dancing and she got bumped and completely yard sailed all of my equipment, almost took out my front teeth with the microphone, broke my, broke my music stand and fell into my amplifier and knocked it over. And so she was almost lying on top of me. I'm sitting there with the guitar and all my stuff's everywhere. And at that point in my head, I was just, okay, so who's going to pay for this? The bar? Or <laughs> yes, the exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that was probably the, the worst one that I can think of off the top of my head. So is there, is there a, we're going to get to your own music and I want to talk a little about Seeker too, but I'm, I'm interested in this when you're solo are there a couple of songs that you roll your eyes with and you go, yeah, I'll do it for you. And are there, is there a time when you went, yeah, and I'll give you the story. So we were in New Orleans and there was the Spotted Cat and they were, it was a daytime gig and there was a, a, a male singer, female singer, somebody on an old stand-up piano, like a church piano. Yeah. And then a, guitarist and they were saying we don't normally perform together we just are getting together today just to have fun who knows what we'll do mm -hmm. so they had taken a break and they were passing the hat around and they came up to me and 
she started talking and my wife said, go ahead, ask her. And so the female singers, I said, I'm a huge Bruce Springsteen fan and I, I want you to do a Bruce song. And my wife's mocking me because we're in New Orleans. And she goes, oh, Atlantic City is one of my favorite songs. Do you want me to do Atlantic City for you? Yes, that's awesome. And she did. She did Atlantic City and it was a great version. And what I find is there is a 50% chance that if you put five bucks in the the guy singer or female singer and ask her, Bruce, you're going to get them on fire because it's short, it's easy, and everyone yeah. knows it. Right. So when I get tougher than the rest or something that's unusual, I'm thrilled. So that's a long thing. But is there a couple of songs where you went, oh, I don't want to do this again and went, oh, yeah, thanks for asking for this. Yes. In the country world, Wagon Wheel is always that one that yeah. everybody wants the at the bar. And and so I've been playing that one since old Crow Medicine Show yeah. released it before Darius 2008, 2007, somewhere in there. And so I still, there is love for the song that I have, but it's it's definitely one of those ones that you really rise. Okay. Wonderwall. So I, yeah. I, nobody really asks for that anymore. It's It's gotten to that point of infamy now like yelling free bird at a concert <laughs> no one actually wants to hear it they're just yelling yeah. it to yell it but songs that i like to play that i'm like oh yeah thank you um iris by the goo dolls is one anything matchbox 20 i'm a fan of bob seeger so i'll do night moves i'll or i'll do turn the page by myself main street those are some big ones um yeah, I would say those are the ones that, that you don't get asked too often, but are always fun to play. Or any anything Jason Isbell. I'm a huge Jason Isbell fan. Boy, we could spend a whole hour talking about Jason. I am a recent <laughs> convert, Ty. Amazing. Um, I, I had friends who talked about how good he was, and I had bought the Nashville Sound and the album before Weather Veins. I'm drawing a blank on it. Southeastern. But, yeah, but he was coming to dallas and the dallas show sold out so there was a gig in austin so got permission from my wife do you mind if i go no go and so i just did nothing but play jason isbel for three weeks before the concert and my best friend who's been a huge drive-by truckers and a huge thing i said this jason isbel guy he's pretty good <laughs> And he's so finally, uh, yeah. And in fact, you were talking about writing song structure, and he did in one of his interviews. He talked about why do we like a chorus? What purpose? But we all love it. And as a songwriter, you gotta do it in most cases because people like that refrain, yeah. and it's just there. Yeah, I would be. I would. My face would light up. If someone at the bar started doing a Isbel cover, I'd be like, yeah, this is great. Yeah, and that's Let's... why I like playing in the, in the States. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Up yeah. here, a lot of the bands that I loved out, uh, from the South, I, I actually was in Texas uh, in March touring around and was in Nashville for a week. But oh, good. Um, I Where'd, get you to play... Play? Where'd you play in, in Texas? Started out in Texarkana and went down to Sugarland, so just outside of Houston, yeah. over to Corpus Christi College Station and back up to Texarkana. Nice. So, yeah, a little yeah, loop there. Mm -hmm. Very cool. 
next time you come, hopefully it'll be a Dallas or Austin or somewhere I can go visit and see. That'd yeah. be cool. Yeah. I'm planning for, I'm actually, I'm recording my next record down in Texas. So oh. I will definitely let you know. Where are you going to record? So I'm, I've signed with Edgewater Music Group at Houston for this next one. So basically Houston area, or I'm really hoping we can go work at a Sonic Ranch because that's been a dream of mine. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah, really yeah. cool. Yeah. Isn't it weird how even though we border each other, there are bands and musicians that don't cross over? I do a Babylon 5 podcast and my one of my co-hosts is from Canada and we were going to do a music. I, I had him watch Western Stars, the Bruce Springsteen film that where he performs that album live. And he said, would you mind doing a music podcast. Yeah. He says, okay, do you know the tragically hip? And I go, I have no idea who you're talking about. I was waiting for this. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And all of a sudden I went, how the hell does America not know about this band? They just never got into them. And, and us Canadians don't understand it because it is there. They are, they literally shut down the country. Um, yeah, when they had their final concerts because Gord Downey unfortunately yeah. passed away from a brain tumor. But it was pretty much a national holiday. And that's all of us can probably pinpoint where we were when we watched that that concert to yeah. um, or at least that last one. So they're they're a national treasure for us up here for sure. I will tell you what, I was sold. Lou got that and we went through some of these and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is great. So yeah, I talk about being late to the party, right? <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we we did a deep dive and he sent us links of Gordon, some of his last <laughs> interviews and the feeling of that, that knowing you're going to pass, but still trying to go that was very yeah. touching and very yeah. amazing to me. And uh, yeah, I just did just something pretty special. All right. Bob Seer cover band. Talk to me how this happened and let's share a little bit of joy. And for those of you who are not getting to see this on video, Ty's face just lit up when I mentioned the Bob Seeger band. He's been a bright, funny guy, but that just was the biggest smile I've seen almost. Yeah. So I'm extremely blessed. So just before COVID, uh, I was playing an acoustic gig locally here and the drummer and the founder of the band just happened to be in the audience and he came up to me during one of my breaks and, and said do you play any Bob Seger I said yeah I can probably strum through night moves and turn the page and and so he goes okay just yeah play them if you can so didn't really think anything much of it and and I did and so he came up to me afterwards and gave me his card and he said I'm the the founder and the drummer of a, a Bob Seger tribute experience or tribute band called against the wind and we tour casinos and theaters and through canada and the states and i'm looking for a right now a backup or a fill-in singer in case our lead singer gets sick or can't make a gig or something like that i want to have someone in the wings and so that's where it all started and i, I went down and, and did some practicing and then COVID happened and the whole band ended up getting restructured and from there they brought me in as the lead and it's been forward ever since so we i guess we've been playing shows for just over a year now that because in canada obviously our restrictions lasted way longer than you guys it really wasn't until about a year ago march april 
that we could actually go out and play again. And so we've, yeah, we've been doing that and playing music. And I'm extraordinarily blessed to play with players who are the utmost, like some of the best musicians that I've ever known or, or met, all Toronto heavyweights that have toured with big acts and, and I've been around the industry for a very long time. So I came in as a 30-year-old and the next youngest person to me is in their mid-40s. Everybody else is kind of 50s, 60s. Uh, our sax player is early 70s. He's played with Etta James. They, yeah, the the group of musicians are just on a different level. So I'm I'm very happy to be part of that band. And we have so much fun together. It's so much fun to go out and play Bob's music because I've always been a fan. But learning that catalog and, and really deep diving into his interviews and his stage presence and basically just what he's and all that was, it, it enriched me as, as a writer and as an artist. And he's a tough act to, to sing. Thankfully, my range is, is pretty good because he goes up there. Do you, because I've seen two different kinds, right? They're... Thunder Road here in Dallas is a Springsteen tribute band and the lead singer looks a little like Bruce and the voice is close enough. They do it. Then I've seen other people that they specifically don't even try Buick 64, right? They don't even try to sound like Bob. They just do Bob's music. Where do you guys find, fill that in? Yeah. So we're not trying to be Bob Seger. I'm not trying to be Bob Seger. We call our band and experience. We try to stay away from tribute. That is what it is, but but it's an experience. We really focus on, or at least I focus on, putting forward Bob's music in a way that does justice to him and his writing. And that isn't to say that I've had tons of compliments saying that I sound similar to Bob, which is great. But really, I want to get his mannerisms, or as I call it, his isms, while he's singing, and his vocal timber... And really, as his phrasing is the most important for me. So we're not out there. I don't look like Bob Seger. I don't have the long 60s, 70s Bob Seger hair. I don't have the swooped over. I just go out there and I do my thing. And we just really try and do justice to Bob's music. And that's what's most important to us. So I've talked to the guys here in Dallas. And they say, we try to mix it up. Because they're all Bruce fans, right? So we have the deep cuts that we like oh mm-hmm. man we got to do this and then we've got to have these that the audience is going to want to hear the crowd pleasers so we got we try to mix that up we do we know what we need to do but we also try to sneak one in that's just for us right. so how do you guys work on the set list for that we definitely do that we bob has so many great songs that he has a great catalog yeah yeah it's easy to do that but we really try and 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 take the best songs or the the songs that really resonated or or show a lot of emotion i guess is the best way to go and then we go to rockers betty lou we got turn the page which is a great emotional song we've got tonight a great emotional song Obviously, Against the Wind, Like a Rock, all those big yeah. ones, Hollywood Nights, Night Moves. And then, yeah, Fire Lake, 
Yeah. And it's we we try and and organize it in a way that both sets equally have pure rockers that people are going to love and know and enjoy. And then those storyteller songs that Bob was so good at that people will remember or are going to take or transport that audience member back to a moment in their lives where they remember listening to that song or we're in high school or we're making it in the backseat of their car at a movie, whatever they were doing. So that's a, what we want to bring back to, to the audience. Yeah, I there was just re- I guess the past year or so Bruce went to John Mellencamp's house and they recorded a right. couple of songs together and a couple of buddies said you you just know Seeger's on the phone hey guys why yeah. you call what me the hell? <laughs> what the heck yeah. what dudes let's make it a trio Perfect. yeah yeah and they are such fans of each other's you you, yeah. you, you can see you'll hear stories of them being in each other's gigs and doing that mm-hmm. so that's great that sounds like a lot of fun that just must it is because you you talk about that right a solo gig can be very lonely and Mm -hmm. with this i just looked at the website it's a huge band yeah i love it yeah it is there is this camaraderie of just doing something and and i'm sure the audience is just into it from the moment the first note to the last note yeah, so that's the really fun thing about the tribute gigs are the audience is there and knows what they're seeing and knows that if you put the the songs out in a way that does them justice and is honest and you're into it, then they're going to enjoy it. And so really that connection is so much fun to have with those people and, and telling the stories. We get into a bit of Bob's history and the history of the songs and stuff like that. And it ends up being a really fun experience, I think, for us and, and for the audience as well. That's great. That's awesome. So let's talk about your music. So what's yeah. the latest thing you worked on? You said yeah, you've got so, an album coming up. You're going to start recording. But yeah. what? let's talk about some of your recent projects. Yeah, so I, I just released, I shouldn't say just, I released a song called Para Hearts back in late February. And that's what I toured while I was down in Texas and in Nashville. I put it out to the Nashville Music Road chart. Still actually, it's still in its radio progression at the moment. It reached number 73 on that Nashville Music Road chart, which was awesome. Hopefully this week we're going to get a little bit higher. But for an independent artist, that's that's still pretty awesome. Canada, I ended up number one on the Canadian Indie Country chart, which is the big independent chart here. And on Media Base, I ended up breaking the top 80, which was good that way. So lots of radio play, which has been good. And Sirius XM, Canada's country channel, picked it up 171. So that's been my latest release and, and what I've been living off of for, for the moment. Before that was a is, release called Another pa- Day. Pair of Hearts? Pair of yeah, Pair of Hearts. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, my apologies if I asked no, my, my no, Canadian are coming out. No, no, <laughs> I just I pulled up Spotify. So I wanted to make yeah. Uh-huh. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So that's a song basically that I wrote with a buddy of mine. Been we both have been going through breakups at the time and and I flipped it on us. Uh, how everybody goes, it's the other person's fault as soon as they go through a breakup. So and so, they did this and this. But what if you flip it on yourself? Maybe I'm the problem. Maybe the first line is maybe I'm just bad luck. If maybe I'm the reason all these relationships aren't working out. And then the fun poker metaphor is thrown in there for the chorus, and it goes goes that way. So it's been really well received, which has been great, and and I think it's a good song. So I'm happy with it. Is 
this the most successful song you've done so far? Yeah, to date, radio success-wise, I would say. Yeah. The release before that, Another Day, Another Poor, was really the song that kind of broke me back, I guess, broke out, or broke me out. I hadn't released any new music in eight years, up until a year ago, April, so I put out one song then that was like warming the waters, but Another Day, Another Poor really took it to another level and, and had a lot of good radio airplay up here in Canada. And and that's actually how I got to go down to Texas. It did pretty well in that Texas red dirt scene. Yeah. That's why I've I've gotten the opportunities that I've gotten down there and, and why I'm working towards moving to Texas, hopefully next in the next year or two years. Yeah, there is a very healthy red dirt. There mm-hmm. is a lot of uh, one of the sports guys that does sports talk show here in Dallas has a small band called the bird dogs and he does that plays a lot. And so that's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I checked out a couple of the songs earlier today and I've really liked them. I think oh, you've got a, I thought you've got a great voice and they're catchy. So it's good. Why the eight month, why the eight year drought? Really what it came down to was I had a, a record deal and, between 2012 and 2014 up in Canada on a pop label. And I wrote songs for pop artists up here and, and went to release my own album and flopped. And so at that point I had gone through the high school bands and then my own bands and that stuff doing well. And then things not working out. And I got extremely frustrated with the business and, and, and honestly, I probably just needed to grow up a little bit and, and that's really what I think it came down to. So I, once that, when that album flopped and, and I left my label, I moved out west to, to Victoria, BC and tried to find myself, so to speak. I kept playing music. So I kept just doing cover gigs and, and open mics and stuff like that. And I just stopped writing and I didn't write another song until COVID happened when a record producer who I, I've been working with in Canada saw me at an open mic one day or not an open mic sorry I was doing a a one-off a writer's round which was weird since I hadn't been writing music when I was playing all my old songs and he was like man you got so much talent dude and and so much and such good writing that it's really a shame that you're not doing much right now so if you want let's write together Let's, let's see if we can figure something out and I put him off for a good year and every month or so he would send me a message saying, Hey, that's right. Hey, that's right. And so finally he broke me down <laughs> enough that I said, yeah. yes. And, and one too many was actually the song that came out of that, which is on Spotify. Yeah. And, and I fell in love with the process again. And and we had nothing else to really do during COVID. I was working, but couldn't go anywhere. Couldn't play anywhere. I got back into writing and now here I am <laughs> a few years later, putting out new music and, and uh, taking that shot at, at this life again, and, and it's gone super well. So, Ty, I'm, uh, did you, I'm lucky. Ty, did you think that time away is something you needed for your creative juices? Yes, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and and like I said, really to grow up, that that was a big thing, and to get some more life experience. And music had been so important to me for so long that I just I think maybe needed that break away to to really know or figure out that's what I wanted to do because I had been so battered or beaten down by it. And so I guess having that clarity and having that renewed sense of self and love for it 
has what's has been what's projected me forward and 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 really helped out me knowing that yes, this is what I want to do and and going for it from there. And it's hard too when you give part of yourself, when you write songs, when you produce something, and then people are like, eh. And you're like, but no, no. I worked so hard on this. Can, can you listen again? <laughs> Are you sure? And 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 once again, my friend Sam, who loves Jason, he says he thinks the albums before Southeastern were just as good. He, but even Jason thinks no. That's when I found another gear. So you truly, you never know what what fan what list the audience will find and sign something so yeah you could just do your best yeah. and go for it yeah i still have people that, that message me about that first i say album but ep five songs yeah that that love it to this day and are mad that i don't play those songs live <laughs> or as much because I, I play a couple of them live with the band but yeah a few of them i leave out and i've gotten some angry messages going hey where, where the hell was exit 49 why, why aren't you playing yeah. this and and it's like, well, not not past it, but yeah, I'm writing new stuff and, and stuff that, that is more in the vein of, of what I'm I'm doing now. And but there's still I still really do love the songs I put out at that time. It just yeah, it didn't fit anybody's or any radio stations norms at at that moment. So See, it is. that was my friend Sarah. Problem is every album sounded different. And so it was hard to get a niche because album two didn't sound like album one and then album three didn't sound like one or two. And so where do we put you in this box? And you're like, I don't want to be in a box. I just want to make music. And that's hard to do sometimes. It is. And the like I said, the label I was signed to was really a pop label. So the band... The one of the other bands that there was on, like they had on there, was a big band in Canada. They had gold records and stuff like that. Were managed by Howie D from the Backstreet Boys, and then there was me writing these like Daughtry slash country esque yeah. style songs that they really wanted to make pop. And so that's how the record came out. Was these storyteller country soft rock songs that ended up being that are having a pop flair to it that sounds it's cool but it didn't fit with the yeah. radio market that uh, that sure. was going to put them out you've mentioned you are working on songs for a new album you're hoping to record what's yeah. next for you ty right now actually this is a way for me to plug my campaign so i'm yeah. uh, i'm doing a campaign with edgewater music group i've teamed up with them and we're raising money for this record for me to come down and, and record down in texas to be released to texas country music scene and and obviously north american worldwide all that i've got a bunch of great songs written now that i'm just itching to record we have a bit more of this campaign to get through Tons of great packages on there. There's a, rap, or the, a raffle for this red guitar in the background. Okay. <laughs> for every $20, you can you get a name, your name put in a hat for it. It's donated. But that's really what I'm focusing on now is, is getting that record done and and putting out uh, some more new music and, and uh, making a go of it that way. But I really uh, enjoyed my time down in Texas while I was down there and have had a good response from the Southern states with my music. So um that's where i'm i'm focusing a lot of my efforts right now and 
and uh, yeah, hoping to get back down there and, and be touring around there pretty often the next couple of years. So if someone wants to find the campaign, how do they? Yeah. So just go to Instagram is at Ty Wilson Music, Facebook, Ty Wilson Music. Basically everything is at Ty Wilson Music. And on the pin posts or the link in my bio on Instagram, you can find it there. Okay. And that's, or just look for on Indiegogo under Ty Wilson. You can find it there as well. And when, is there a time limit on your campaign? Yep. So there's 17 days left right now. Okay. We might push it another week or so, but at the moment there's 17 days left. All right. I am going to, we're recording this on July 18th. I will make sure that I do a quick turnaround and have it out the 24th. I'll make it edit. This episode's coming out on July 24th. They have till when, Ty, to go and support you. About 10 days, August fourth somewhere in there all right sounds good and i will include a link where we can you can go and help out my new friend which sounds like it's going to be great what haven't i asked you that i should have ty i think you've done a great job i think you've pretty much covered everything that i can think of off the top of my head we, we hit bob Seeger, we hit me we got, <laughs> we, got, we got all that origin story backstory All those things. That's sweet of you to say. It is to pull the curtain back a little bit. I had a guest earlier, and she had talked about that she helps a lot of people with their social media and their campaigns. And I said, if any of your clients want to join me, she goes, okay, I'll do. And Ty was the first person to raise his hand. Hey, I talk music. I'm in. So thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Of course, man. I love it. I love doing these. All right. I'm going to include a link to the campaign. I'm going to include a link to your websites, both of them. And let's see if we can get you a little little Set Lusting Bruce fandom throwing a little yeah. love your way. So that'd be great. That'd be but awesome. before you get out of here, I got to ask the Mary question. Yeah. So if you are a fan of Ty Wilson's music, and that's how you found this podcast, thank you. What I do is I end every podcast with the Mary question. Jay Armstrong, who is a retired honors English teacher, when he was teaching, he would give his students the lyrics to Thunder Road. He would ask them to read it. They would talk about the imagery that Bruce uses in the song. They would talk about, compare it to other poems like Robert Frost. And then at the end of the class, he would ask his students, does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road. So, Ty, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? All right. I'm going to be... I've thought about this, and it's a hard question. Looking at the lyrics especially, because there are two... I tend to lean on the side of... I think she turns them down. Okay. Just because, from what it sounds like in the song and lyrically, she's turned down everybody else. He really doesn't have all that much going for them. Just the engine in his car. Yep. He says she's not very good looking. Yes. And and it's kind of he's been there before. He's groveling, and he really wants to come with him. But I think she turns him down. That would be my that's my analysis. If I was going to go, with. that's my thought. Very nice. For the longest time, I was 60-40. 
60% of my listeners and guests said she gets in the car. About 40% say no, but the no's have been inching up. So I almost think it's 50-50 now. So yeah, that's, that is a great answer, Ty. I love that answer. As you said, she's for a lot of reasons. And mm-hmm. as my wife said, he said she was ugly. Of course, she's not yeah. getting in the car. <laughs> that, that, that's, I think that was the turning point for me. If you're okay, you're just okay looking and I don't mind. I don't know about, I don't know about you, but I haven't, I haven't picked up a lot of women with that line. Yes. <laughs> where it's um, been successful. I always like to throw this in there that in my mind, my mind canon, as they say, I think that she is someone who always talks bad about herself. It always mm-hmm. is self-effacing. I'm not that attractive. I'm not doing it. Right. And so him saying that, hey, you're in a beauty, but hey, you're all right, is him addressing that and trying to get it aside for her. Now, yeah. that's probably because I'm overly romantic, hey, right? I mean- or maybe he's just dumb. <laughs> hey, you. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Ty, Ty Wilson, uh, dot com. From there, Music.com. Yes. Yeah. Check that out. You can go there to see. He's on Spotify. You can. Are you on Bandcamp? No, I'm not. So okay. Spotify, Spotify, iTunes. Actually, I might be on Bandcamp. Okay. I have a distributor that gives, no, it does all that. Yeah, everything. Okay. So, so wherever you get your the... music, I'll be on. Yeah. There. <laughs> all right. Very good. Let's send him a little love, man. Let's stay in touch. If you come down to sure. Texas, we got to make this happen in person. Heck. I'd love this. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you so much all right listeners please go check out his music send him a little love but for now i want to thank everyone and say be kind be safe and remember if we open up our hearts love won't forsake us just let the music take us and carry us home thank you ty thank you listeners we'll talk to you soon goodbye there we go another episode I'm about to go through a couple of things where you can reach me and give me feedback. Um, So if you want to skip this, I understand. But I do hope you check it out every once in a while. I'm available on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is available at SetLustingBruce. You can send me an email, setlustingbruce at gmail.com. You can send me a voicemail at 469-249-2442. I am currently doing a few other podcasts, perfectly good podcast, John Hyatt from A to Z, where Sylvan Groth and I discuss every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. My Babylon 5 podcast is Last Best Hope for Conversation, where Lou, Karen, and I discuss every episode of Babylon 5 in chronological order. I still am doing Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast with my brother in time, Charles Gaggs. And then finally, How Many Podcasts, the only podcast on the internet that counts, where my buddies and I discuss pop culture. You can go to our Patreon page and support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can go to our Facebook page, like, and please, please go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and leave a five-star rating and review for all of the podcasts that I'm doing. It's okay if you don't listen to them, but if you subscribe and rate, it really will make my day better. Thank you, and I will talk to you soon. 
You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Set Listening Bruce. The theme for Set Listening Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.